1: Hey, guys, it's Andy Richter here. Uh, before we get to today's episode with Valerie Bertinelli, which is a great one, I just wanted to let you know uh, that this show, The Three Questions, will be taking a little break, and uh, we will be back very, very soon. Uh, thank you so much. This has been an, a, another wonderful year, and I really appreciate all the listeners taking their time to, to, to listen and, and talk about this podcast, uh, and we will be back soon. Thanks. everybody it's andy richter and this is the three questions once again still the three questions i haven't thought of any extra ones still just three but it doesn't cost anymore uh i am talking today with somebody that i've gotten the chance to know and work with and who is just awesome uh and talented and uh very multifaceted you know a lot of these actors are just one thing not her, she's like at least three things. <laughs> I'm talking to Valerie Bertinelli today. Hi, hi, Andy. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm so glad you could do it we had a we had a reschedule. We had a mix up before, so yeah. this is a this is a redo. I and can chew gum and
2: talk at the same time. I am multi talented.
1: <laughs> no, I just meant because. You know you're well you're you were an actress in so many television shows, and but you're also like yourself, and not a lot of people can handle that like that was one of the things of you yourself? know on t- on TV you know like you you know you have oh, you know right. your cooking shows and stuff, mm-hmm. and I know like I you know it was always shocking to me how many people that would come on the uh, on the Conan show that were big actors that were absolutely terrified and nervous about having to be themselves. And have to think oh. of stuff to say, you know? It's just...
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? because they're so used to being... Yeah, the scripts are, you know... It's yeah, right yeah. Word and, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I think... Was anybody shocked that... Um, you know, because you did the Conan show for so long that you were also an actor?
1: Yes, it is. Well, I started out to be an actor, and then... Right,
2: but people didn't know you from that. They yeah. did from Conan show.
1: <laughs> the first time... After I left the Conan show in 2000, and my first sitcom... Andy Richter controls the universe. Our first table read for the pilot at Paramount, the president of Paramount came up to me afterwards and said, wow, you can really act. And I was like, Fucker! That's what you're paying me for. What are you paying me for? If you
2: <laughs> like I love hiring you think somebody to paint. You a compliment. I, you
1: know? I, I know, and it's like I, you know, it's like somebody you pay somebody to paint your house, and you're like, "Hey, you guys Good can job. paint." Yeah, that's the deal. <laughs> that's what we do. So yeah, no, I you know people. I mean, the way people think about you in show business is such a dumb. It's so dumb, and it, it's so. Easy, and they just put you in one place, and that's it. And then it's like, oh, really? Oh, you do that too, you know? So, well, I mean, and but- it's
2: always been like that since I've been doing this since I was 11, 12 years old. And um, I started off in a comedy and one day at a time. And then I wanted to do TV movies, I wanted to do dramas. Well, can she do a drama? Yeah. You know, we don't know if she can do a drama until I did my first drama. And then when one day at a time was over, and all I did was TV movies for a while. And I wanted to do a sitcom like, well, I don't know. Can she be funny? Because all she does. I was like, oh, for Christ's sake. I know, I know. They just
1: know you for the last thing you did, you know. Well, and it's such a fear based. Like, I don't know. Should I should I say I like this person and that I, you know, put my stock in this person? What happens if they don't work out and somebody above me disagrees? Mm -hmm. You know, it's so Mm -hmm. fear based. Now, start with about that, because you did. You've been doing this forever. And yes, uh, I'm old. And, well, that's, you know, <laughs> I, that's not what I meant. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm no, there God with it. you. I'm pretty fucking <laughs> old, too. It's like when somebody somebody just yesterday was talking about, a friend of mine was talking about her niece and said something about, like, that she was, and she's now, like, working in production and becoming really successful. And she said, like, and she, and she, this friend of mine is about my age and a little younger, and she said, and she was born in 1996, and she's like <gasps> and she's and i was like i was on tv for 3 years in 1996 <gasps> and this is an adult out there ma- setting the world I had on my fire son
2: in 1991
1: <laughs> it's crazy Holy when you hear these Christ. things or oh, people wow. that people that i'm sure you get this too i loved you when i was a kid and they're like grown people with children themselves it's like okay well, I get but, it. I, I know have, I've been I, around,
2: but I'm okay with that because I actually have been around since yeah. you know
1: that. And long. I am, I am too. It doesn't. I, and I certainly, you know, I certainly am not uh, trading on my looks anyway. So it's not. <laughs> it's not like I'm. I'm worried that you know. Oh no, my jowls. You know, it's kind of like ah, eh, it's part of the process. <laughs> um, but you started doing that. Now here's another thing because I just you started doing this as a kid. And you are normal and well adjusted. And I do think that that can be like. As far as (laughs) you know. No, I think so. Well, you are sitting in front of literally 600 bottles of wine. So uh, (laughs) I am in my wine cellar. I tell you (laughs) a little something about me. Maybe maybe that's, you know, maybe you're self medicating. Who knows? But, you know, do what you got to do. I
2: I have been known to do that in the 80s. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Me too. Um, uh, So, I mean, how were your parents at all worried about getting you into show business and 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 having you be a performer, you know, that uh, young? Cuz it was a, young, right?
2: Yeah, I I was around 11 when I started taking acting lessons and started going up for commercials. So I got my first commercial I think I was 12 for JCPenney's. Um I I was cast in One Day at a Time at 15. I just turned 15. Um I think it uh, they were just like, oh, let's see how it goes. But they, I, there was at one point where I said, I can't take this. I don't want to do it because I went on like almost 100 commercial interviews and I wasn't getting anything. I was rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. And I've, my mom came and she would always come to pick me up during art class, which is my favorite class in school. And I got so pissed one time. I was like, why are you taking me out of this class? I love this class. She goes, listen, I don't want to do this either. If you don't want me to, I don't want to stop my day and have to take you to this thing. So if you don't want to go, I'm fine with that. But don't yell at me because yeah. you do not want me to take. I'm like, okay, 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 okay.
3: So. Yeah.
2: And for and a well, while we, I did stop. My dad, mo- we, we all moved to Oklahoma City um, because my dad, was, my dad worked for General Motors and he was, uh, he was going around to different, you know, they move people around a lot.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: back then and um we moved there and i thought oh that's it i'm not gonna be an actress any longer and then uh we moved back because something happened with the plant out in oklahoma city and we oh, moved wow. back here so
1: front you were in california and moved back to because i know you we were, were in born california in, like... and
2: in 1974 or 5 we moved to okay. oklahoma for like four or five months and then we moved wow. back 1975 we moved back yeah. and then i i got the job
1: what what, what was your um what was your urge to be an actress? Like, what was, what was it about it? Like, were there, was there somebody that you knew, that, a kid that you knew that was performing? Are there performers in your family? Yes.
2: There was a girl in school and she was very popular and I was not. And um, it just looked really interesting. And I was one of the shyest people. Oh, really? I mean, when you talk introvert, this is what fascinates me about humans is so many people that I know in the business are introverts, mm-hmm. and um, the extroverts are like, "Oh, I get it," but I don't meet very many of those. Yeah, um, Wolfie, my son, is an introvert. Ed was an introvert. Mm-hmm. You are an introvert. Yeah. Um, I, the, most of the people I meet were or are, and um. I wanted to not be shy anymore. I wanted to come out of my shell, as I put it. And uh-huh. for some, there was something about me that always, at, at, from a very young age, said, well, if it scares me, I want to do it. I want to see if I can do it. I oh, want to test cool. myself and see if I can do it. And so I would always do it. And I, it was the same thing with scripts. And I hated every moment of it when I would like do it. And I used to, <laughs> it used to be a thing where I would be on the set and know I'd have a very challenging scene coming up. And I didn't want to do the scene because it was the scene that made me take the movie. And I knew it was going to be really hard to do, but I did it anyway. And right before the scene, the days coming up to it, I would look at anybody else and think, God, I wish I was, I wish I was the focus puller. I I should be the focus (laughs) puller today. Uh, You know, and then there was days where I'd see the focus puller sweating because they were having a tough day because whatever they had to do that day was a challenge. And I started realizing, Oh, well, she, I, all of us have really difficult th- things to do at some mm-hmm. point on, yep. s- in our jobs. Yeah. So it just, it, you know, so I kept on going for the, the fear-based thing. And I don't know what that is about me because I still don't feel like I do that. And yet I still do it.
1: Did it translate into like risk-taking? Like, were you like a teen that would, you know, climb no. power t- towers and, you know, no. break into the school no. or whatever? I mean, I, no. Maybe
2: I drove fast a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, I remember taking the car out. I was still like a little over 15 and I only had my, um, driver's permit. My parents had gone out and I I had a car. I, I had bought the car because I had just started one day at a time. So I had some money and I took my car out. And I, every cop car I saw, I thought, I'm going to get pulled over. I'm never going to drive again. I'm going to get pulled over. So I would have this inner voice that was like, you're a bad person. Yeah. And then my other part of me was like, let's try it. Let's just try it. I literally had an angel and a devil on my shoulder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was kind of, you know, I was a smart ass and I was constantly questioning. And I certainly like as a kid, and I mean, I, you know, I'm not a genius or anything, but like. I was pretty smart. And when I had teachers that were dumber than me, I actually look back and feel kind of sorry for the teacher, you know, because (laughs) I could be such a fucking smart ass asshole and spent so often like sitting out in the hall just because, you know, but I also like I also learned the power of pissing a teacher off. And then if you can make them laugh, like as they're getting pissed off, it fucks them up like they're like totally like they're like, oh, and then they start laughing. But I was so I was, you know, big shot in class talking to teachers, but out in the world, terrified of getting in trouble. And I don't know, like looking back on it, I'm like, what did I think was going to happen? Like, you know, what did I think was when kids, you know, would like. Go out to the deserted farmhouse and run around inside it at night, like in the <gasps> pitch black. Oh
3: no! Yeah, I'd no, no, be no, like, not, not, I,
1: I can't do that because. Uh-uh. And it wasn't even so much that it was scary; it was that, like, what if the cops come? Like, wh- what do you think they're gonna do? Throw you in jail forever? Like, <laughs> right. They're gonna call your mom. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it, it's oh, not no. the end I, of the world.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um. So did uh did it did it? put distance in between you and kids when you were, you know, a teenager and started acting and you were on TV. Like, was that weird?
2: Well, I still went to school. Um, like I, I went to Granada Hills high in Mm -hmm. the North Valley, um, up until the second semester of the, I think the 11th grade, 11th grade. Yeah. Um, because for part of the semester I could stay in school and the other part of the semester I got, um, Tutored. I was taught on class tutored. Yeah. yeah. And then the school said it was just, it, I couldn't do that any longer. So I had to go to, I went for the last semester of 12th grade. I went to Hollywood professional school, which is, oh. I still don't even remember much about that school, but
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: I never and, got to graduate with my class, which was kind of messed up.
1: Yeah. And you were studying acting too alongside it, or was that earlier? I, went, I
2: was studying with different, yeah, different coaches. I, yeah. I went to through through three or four or five different Different coaches, yeah. Mm-hmm. That taught me different methods and I read a lot and fascinating stuff. I would always do a lot of research about what I thought the character was, and I thought I was I, I don't know. I think I thought I was more smarter than I actually am.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, you, you're taking it seriously, especially as a kid. You wanna, you know, you're a kid in a grown up's world and mm-hmm. you're seeing all these accomplished professional people and you think like, "Wow, well, I gotta I better do some more work for this rather than just be like, Oh, it's a teen girl. I'm a teen girl. I'll just do what, what I feel, you know? Right.
2: Well, with Barbara Cooper, I literally, I mean, it literally was me. I was basically playing me.
1: Um, Elton John. I I remember, I I remember as watching that show as a kid and just seeing like, like knowing Valerie Bertinelli loves Elton John and her character on the show loves Elton John. Yeah, you know, right. it's just like part of the show. And
2: then all of sudden the there show. were Van Halen posters in
1: her bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too, yeah. <laughs> um, and so did you have Do you have siblings? I, I don't know if you I do. I do. I have
2: three brothers, one older and two younger.
1: And how did they feel about their showbiz oh, sister? It
2: didn't, it didn't do anything. I they mean, don't they, care. they still treated me like shit <laughs> in
1: their both the way brothers
2: do. Yes, of know. course, of course, you know. of
1: course. Uh, did you have like what did you when you set out to do it? Did you have something in mind like a particular kind of like, did you want to be Meryl Streep or did you want to be? Uh, no, you
2: know, I knew wh- I could never be. I was never great at accents. I couldn't cry on cue. Yeah, um, I, I knew I would never be the greatest. Yeah. I, but I knew that I had. um. Maybe I still don't know i mean i maybe I'm just beginning <laughs> to know that i i have i have a vulnerability or or um i ha I have something people can relate to i kind of i look like your next door neighbor
3: mm-hmm.
2: I look like somebody that like i look familiar, and mm-hmm. i think there's there's something when somebody looks familiar, it makes you feel more at ease, and I think that's yeah. what I have. I have a familiarity.
1: You do. You have a whole. There's a wholesomeness, especially when you were young. I mean, when you you know, on one day at a time, uh, you know, you were like, (laughs) look like you just popped out of a breakfast ad commercial. You know, (laughs) like um, you were. Now you were kind of like a teen sex symbol at fifteen. I certainly
2: didn't think I was.
1: Was it? But I mean, you had. They had to be aware of like. No. Really? No. So, did not somebody even just a capture from that? Yeah, yeah.
2: No. There wow. was no social media back then. So, how was that to know that? Yeah. I'm just, I mean, so,
1: the magazines, like the teen magazines, it didn't get names no. sort or of, it just seemed innocent and everything? Yeah. To me, it yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everybody had a crush on you. I mean, I don't, you probably know I that. I had now, no idea. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm only finding so, this out in the last, you know, decade or so. Yeah, just like, oh well, that's lovely. <laughs> Somebody that's lovely. Should have now let that I know. look like this and I'm old, it's like, thank you.
1: <laughs> you are beautiful. Okay. You, you stop me to look it.
2: This way, and I look this way. I know.
1: will not allow you to talk bad about my friend Valerie. Um, <laughs> so, well, now, how going through like just how long was one day at a time? Nine years. Nine years. Yes, I
2: literally started that program. I was 15 years old, a literal virgin in Mm. every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And I ended the show um, at 23, married. Wow, to Eddie Van
1: Halen! <laughs> wow, <laughs> I mean, yeah, what an arc! That, that is an arc. arc, right there. That is right? an arc. <laughs> now, within within the nine years of that show, I mean, is it you? You know, people always say, and it's usually a trope about like, oh, a, a film crew and a film set, it's like a family, and like, yeah, sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's not. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm. You don't get paid to be in your family.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't get
1: double overtime when you're with your family for 16 hours. All right. uh, um, but uh, was that, I mean, was that a happy journey throughout the whole thing? The, yeah. Well,
2: mostly, for sure. I mean, it yeah. was painful for Mac for, for some yeah, of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And Mackenzie, still to this day, I feel like she's, she's my sister. Um, yeah. We still talk. Um, and she, she was such a sister to me, is such a sister to me. She would spend the night at my house. Um, I would spend the night at her house. I just thought she was the coolest person in the world. And she still is. I mean, what she's doing with her life now is just, she's just, she's so. What's she, smart. what's she doing? I, I honestly don't she is know. She's helping so. people in recovery and oh, she's wow. still an amazing actress. She yeah. was in Orange The new is the New Black. She's still oh, acting right. and she, and she is helping people. She is recovery, um, a counselor. specialist. Yeah, and yeah, she's amazing at it. Yeah. Um, and um, Bonnie was like a second mother. She invited yeah. me out to be with her in New York during the hiatus, the first after the first season. And I went out and it uh, it was just it was great to be with someone. I mean, Bonnie, remember, I was 15. Bonnie was only 31 when oh, wow. we started that show, she was so young. Yeah. So she wasn't really old enough to be my mother. Mm-hmm. But so it was like being with this really cool older sister that yeah. really felt motherly to, towards me. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It was great. I mean, but Bonnie was also really sweet and conscious of making sure my mother didn't feel left out. Because as a teenager, girls can be really shitty to their moms. Oh,
1: boy, can they?
2: Yeah. So yeah. I, I have a, and I have I
1: was a 16-year-old, teenagers. so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you
2: know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, Mackenzie. that I mean it's probably a good thing that she was in a a show that did have some kind of stability within it because her childhood oh, when you messed read up. about ah oh, it's just like she I my heart bleeds for her and I'm I mean that you know I mean that really like yeah, I just can't love, imagine you would love
2: talking to her. You would love love having her on your show. I She's a really make amazing. A note of that.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, cuz just the stories of like her childhood is just like I, how you can get through that and not be, you know, there's I a don't couple know how pi-
2: you don't, uh, I don't know how you don't use drugs when yes. you've, when you've been through what she's been through.
1: Exactly. But
2: to come and- out of the other side, the way she has is just,
1: yeah, she's it's good. Do yeah. you think that like the stability that was provided by that show was helpful?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Um, that's definitely a question for, for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I can't imagine it wasn't. Um, yeah. I know that we all loved her as if she was part of our, um, like she was my sister. Bonnie loved her as if she was, you know, her daughter. Yeah. Um, Pat loved her. We we all really wanted the best for her. Norman was so good to her, really wanted the best for her.
1: Yeah. Um, how did you meet Eddie? I'm, I know you've probably told this story a thousand times and, you know, How did that evolve? I mean, did he see you on the show and call his manager and say, Iowa, bring me Valerie Bertinelli.
2: (laughs) He was so shy. He would have never. Um, (laughs) uh, My brothers lived in Shreveport, Louisiana, and they were playing um, the stadium out there, um, the arena. Uh, This was during the actor strike in 1980. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1980, August of
1: 1980. What were your brothers um, doing in Shreveport?
2: My parents, well, GM, they moved out there oh, to open a play oh, in Oh, okay. All right. So um, I would go out there a lot anyway, and my yeah. brothers called up and they said, listen, this band's playing out here, and we can actually get backstage passes if you come out and promise to all hand them bags of M&Ms. I'm like, what the—what f- are you talking about? <laughs> Who is this band that they need M&Ms? And so um, <laughs> David said that— There's a uh, eight track cassette in the back of your Corvette that I left. Um, um, Go check that out because the band's really amazing. So
3: I I listened to them. Is
1: fantastic. There's an eight track in the back of the Corvette. (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) It was a seventy eight Corvette. Wow. Was Was it red?
2: No, it was brown. I love that Corvette. Um, But I and I had kept that for quite a while because this was in nineteen eighty that we went out. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was the 25th, 25th anniversary edition of the Corvette.
1: Oh, wow. So you know, My you dad listen, worked
2: for General Motors.
1: Right, of course. You got a yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get a deal.
2: You get a you know, <laughs> you, family discount. You gotta get,
1: yeah, you got to get the most TV star car that your dad has a discount on. <laughs>
2: well, my first car was a Chevette. Oh, really? Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, those were shitty. Those A friend of <laughs> mine had one of those.
3: Chevette.
1: You could take that thing apart with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved well, now, it. So you put the A-Track. in
2: to Shreveport. Yeah. And we go well, backstage. Well, you put
1: the A-Track in. Did you, were you like, all right. Oh,
2: I thought it was amazing. I thought yeah. It was, and listen, and I'm Linda Ronstadt, Elton John all day long. Okay. Right? And then yep. I listened to this band I'm like, what? This yep. is amazing. Yeah. I also had a little bit of The Who and Led Zeppelin. and I liked every so often I would listen to them. So yep. they were right up my alley. Um, so I said, sure. And then I saw a picture of Ed, and I'm like, oh, he's cute. I will mm-hmm. definitely go meet this guy. If I get to meet him, I'll go. Yeah, die.
1: yeah, crazy and, charisma on that guy too. Like, oh, that smile! Like, un, like, easy charisma. Like, he,
2: isn't he had trying no to idea. Be, yeah, it oozed out of him. He just, he had, he had no idea. He was so freaking shy. He just, yeah, yeah. He just smiled a lot because he, yeah. he, he was an innately happy guy that was in a lot of pain.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
2: He had a and, really tough life.
1: So when you met him. I mean, how, do you hit it off right away? You know, immediately. And are you are you going there thinking like, I'm going to meet that cute guitar guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Absolutely. in your head. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then I meet him, and sparkly eyes, cute, impish grin. I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, gaga over him for yeah, sure. Yeah. And he's so shy; he barely says three words to me. Um, before yeah. the show they put me up on stage where his um where he tunes his guitars on the side of the stage when he comes back and forth yeah. and he kept smiling at me and he was just so adorable
3: yeah yeah um
2: it's funny f- over 40 years later i can still see that smile feel the stage i can smell it it's just yeah yeah it's, yeah it's really cool
1: are your brothers up there with you? Do they, do they get to tag along backstage? They're around somewhere.
2: They're walking around. They're Wandering. like, oh, like, yeah, they're, yeah. like so crazy about it all. They're just loving everything. And then after yeah. the show, we're backstage and talking. And I had um, given them all, you know, I had given it to Al. was very sweet. Mikey was a sweetie pie. Dave was Dave. Dave yeah. was going to Dave the way he He's gave. A, yeah. He is a, a parade <laughs> float. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I was respectful. But I just didn't, I was like, I don't understand this guy, but that's cool. He's a very cool showman. I like yeah. the way he sings. It's like yeah. cool lyrics. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I was really like, I wanted to like hang with the guitarist. Yeah. And we did after the show and we talked a little bit and then we went back to their um, motel. It was literally a motel, um, <laughs> you know, where the doors open to the outside. It was in Shreyfork.
1: Yeah. Is this so, their first album? Hmm? Is this their first album? This is
2: Women and Children First. The oh, okay. third one. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, usually the band takes off, you know, around midnight. That's what, what happens with Wolfie too, now. Um and we just hung out until the band took off on their bus. And then I gave him my number and I waited for him to call. Three days later, he <laughs> finally called me. Yeah. We didn't have cell phones back then. I couldn't text him.
1: Absolutely. Otherwise and, I wouldn't um, called him. And uh uh what's the age uh, between uh, you guys at this point I was
2: 20 he was 25
1: okay and um and so he calls ways he back in LA and says
2: no he was like in I want to say I don't know somewhere around there maybe he was in Baton Rouge or Oklahoma somewhere around there you know they mm-hmm. were on tour
0: yeah and
2: um, he said I was just embarrassed to call I didn't know if you really wanted me to call and I'm like of course I wanted you to call and we talked for a little bit and and then from then on, we would talked all the time. I would go out to visit him um, when he was on break from the tour. He came and stayed with me and that was it.
1: Yeah. And when does it when like at what point does it kind of start to be love? Like where you where it's like you realize that it's really something strong and not just cute guitarist. And it was TV yeah, so in
2: fact, like heavy infatuation for a yeah. while. Um, I don't know, because. We got engaged by that December, and we were married by April.
1: Oh wow! So that is it fast. was very quick. Yeah, yeah. And had you had any like long term boyfriends up to this point? Very much, or I
2: had. I had a, a yeah. boyfriend um, that I dated for like two and a half years before mm-hmm. that, um, and that was it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, what? It, what is it like marrying a rock star? You're on TV, but you're getting toward. You're You're in the last couple of years of. Of, t- of your um, show, yeah, but, we were
2: in the last three, um, 1980, then 81, 82. So,
1: but still, that, yeah, <clears throat> rock star Mary's sitcom star. I mean, that's a big deal. It didn't deal. feel
2: like that way. I was just living my life. He was living his yeah. life. We had these really, um, crazy jobs. Yeah, his job was way crazier than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just we were homebodies. We just hung out at home, and oh, really? he would. You know, he set up in one of the guest rooms of our little 1,200-square-foot house that I had just bought right before I um, met him, and um, he would write back there, and he started writing, I think, was, which was the next album after Women, Children First? I don't remember, but he was writing for that record. Yeah, yeah. So, was
1: it 1984?
2: No, 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 it was in 1984. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Van Halen fans will be mad at me now. I
1: know, I know. You know who's a gigantic Van Halen fan and wanted me to tell you? is my 16-year-old daughter. (gasps) Really? Loves them. Loves them. Just thinks. Well, how did she get into them? She gets into every, she's like amazing. Well, first of all, the drive to school for her growing up from like when she could sit in the front seat on, um, except for a while I had a, a goddamn GMC Acadia, which has ra- radio controls in the back seat. And when oh. you have kids, like, like, you know, it's maddening. It made mm-hmm. me bananas that they, and they would do it on purpose just to yeah, fuck of course with me. They do. Yeah, like driving <laughs> along no, no, and all of a you sudden have,
2: the, you were like, as a child, you Oh,
1: I know, me. I know, I know they didn't know what drugs to give me back then. So I just ran wild. <laughs> but yeah, they used to just crank the volume all of a sudden. And you're like, yikes, you know. Dear God. But her drive into school was, she went from, and it was on, on Sirius XM, on satellite radio. She would just bop around between 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And wow. she just, like, if there was a song she didn't like, she'd just go to the next decade. <laughs> so she knows, like, she knows the words to, like, I'm your puppet. And, you know uh you know magic carpet ride and stuff you know oh, she like wow. no and but 16. she listens to yeah she listens to lots of modern music too lots of you know Mitsky and different hip hop artists but she just really likes old music and she also but she she finds Van Halen like she likes the rock part of it too but she also finds it all kind of hilarious so like, she especially, likes the Dave era yes she likes the Dave era very mm-hmm. much so and like the the hot for teacher video she watches for comedy just yes. because she cannot believe that people in that th- not that long ago allowed that kind of just like blatant <laughs> sexual exploitation to just be like yeah normal shit you know like you know just like it's like no. it's so weird and when you it's look crazy. at it now and you think like i mean i guess they're still sort of like put sexy girls in music videos kind of thing not but like not the like 80s that though. that was no. like just like just you would be if you have pitched that you would get hr'd out of town right immediately. no was, it was insane yeah. back then she but she loves it you know um so anyway i got that out of the way uh my daughter loves van halen and she also it. too i don't know how my ex-wife feels about it but she says my daughter says um i love david lee roth he reminds me of mom <laughs> because she's just very like demonstrative and like, I
2: don't think I've ever met Sarah, but I just, cause I follow her on Instagram, uh, uh-huh. on Twitter. Cause I really do like her account.
1: But oh, yeah. that's. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But she she's a very silly person and a very well, like kind of like, likes big <laughs> to do big, like my daughter told me she came home the other night and came in through the backyard and walked up and my ex-wife was home alone watching uh, like an 80s rock video oh and you know what it was jump she was oh, watching Jump. Video. she was watching jump and dancing and jumping in the living room by herself <laughs> going nuts <laughs> and mercy said she just walked up and like tapped on the back window <laughs> and she was like oh like caught like just I you know love it. yeah
0: love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places
2: I'm Phoebe Judge, host of the podcast This Is Love, stories about love and all of the surprising forms it can take, like a man who finds a baby on a subway platform, a woman who spends most of her time alone until a fox starts coming around. And in one of my favorite episodes, we meet a man who forgot his wife and had to get to know her and fall in love all over again. Listen to new episodes of This Is Love wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Can't you tell my loves are growing? When the show ends, do you have kind of more time to be married to Eddie? No. Then I start doing TV movies like oh, crazy, wow. like two or three a year. And that's and, worse. And, that's worse. T- yeah. T- schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then I
2: go away and yeah, it was, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. I don't know. I actually don't know how we did it. Yeah. For so long.
1: Yeah. It and wasn't how, where-
2: until I had Wolfie that I stayed home. Um, for five years just to, to raise him when he was in kindergarten. I mean, I, when he was a baby, I still continued to do movies and to continue to work.
1: And
3: And
2: then when he was in kindergarten, I couldn't take him with me anymore. So I stayed home to just be a full-time mom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how was that for you?
2: Being a full-time mom.
1: Yeah. Like going from, Oh, okay. Okay. You did not yeah, it, miss the showbiz part of
2: it. No, it, it's my, my favorite job of all time. Oh, that's good. why my Twitter handle since 2009, since I started Twitter, has been Wolfie's mom.
1: Wolfie's it's, mom, that's yeah. That's my
2: favorite job of all time. It was, yeah, yeah. I know now that Wolfie's big and famous and everything, they think, you know, I'm Wolfie's mom because of... No, I've been Wolfie's mom forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not because yeah.
2: he's famous now.
1: Julia, Louis, <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I won't say exactly what it is, but her email is basically I'm the mom of sons, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a <laughs> yes. phrase, but it's like, that's, it doesn't that's have anything to do with her. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, that's what she is. Yep. And I get that, t- you know, like, like being a dad to me, like showbiz is fun. And it's, mm-hmm. and I always kind of think of it as like a racket, like, you know, like when you were talking about, you know, thinking about the focus puller, like a good on you for even being aware of the focus puller. Cause some of these fuckers don't even like think, Oh about, they all
2: work so hard.
1: Yeah, they don't even think about what it takes to get them to stand there in makeup and hair and look mm-hmm. pretty and say things mm-hmm. um that someone else wrote for them. Uh, yes, and exactly. I, I, I went to film school and I came up through film production. So I have a very much of an understanding of what goes on a set, and I and I I love to think of myself as just another member of the crew but just a really lucky one who gets his Mm -hmm. own room to go take naps and who gets (laughs) like three, four hours to do nothing. Like, go, Mm -hmm. you know, go read a book or go, you know, whatever, go sleep, go wander around and bug people. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's uh, I can't remember your
2: face. I mean, people can't see it because they're going to be listening to this, but I'm we're looking at each other, you know, so I Uh can see it when you talk about your children, your whole face lights up. Yeah, that's no, your favorite thing. I can see my, it just the way you talk.
1: Showbiz, like I, showbiz is a racket. I, I got, I got really lucky, and I have the ability to do this thing that I can make money. And now it's even more ridiculous because I do things like cartoon voices and host game shows, which is just <laughs> I, I'm it's endlessly crazy what we get away with. Endlessly <laughs> tickled by that, you know. And but it's all nothing compared to kids. It's all yep. nothing compared sure. to to you know, like honestly. I told the executive producer of the Conan show once about this. Somebody is talking about winning the lottery. And I said, if I won the lottery, I don't know that you'd see me again. And he went, oh, come on. I would." I was like, and I thought it was like, no, I, I maybe I, you might mm-hmm. really never see me again. You know, mm-hmm. like I might move to a Christmas tree farm in Michigan or something just to, mm-hmm. just to get away. Cause there's a lot of bullshit involved yep. in this stuff. Yep. So, Yeah.
2: I'd give, so, I'd give like three quarters of it away and then i go move someplace and just like with a lot of acres and just take all the foster cats and dogs I could and just
1: like <laughs> yeah.
2: hire a bunch of people to help me clean all the litter boxes and, yeah. you know.
1: Somewhere green too, that's what I miss. Yeah. I'm somewhere like, someplace you know.
2: that snows as well. I miss the yeah. snow living in California.
1: Yeah. Green and snow would be nice. hmm So, um. After What happens after five years that you go, you know, of, of, of raising Wolfie that you that you go back to work? And was there ever any kind of like, oh, no, my career is slipping away from me because I'm, you know, even no. though you love, you love, be- okay.
2: I mean, there was from my managers, like, sure. you know, you, you're going to have to get back to work at some point. And I'm right. like, why? We need, our,
1: <laughs> we need our 10% or whatever, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm like, can I just do a guest shot here and there? Yeah, and and yeah. They're like, oh, well, they don't, they don't know. It's like we talked about earlier, it's like, what's the last thing you've done? What can you do? Yeah. Honestly, I don't. Um, oh, you know what? What came up for me was um, "Touch by an Angel" came oh. up for me. I think that's that's about. I did a mini series. No, that's mini series is when I decided to stop working, and that's when "Touch by an Angel" came up in around two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided to go back to work and, and um, you came
1: on that show later, right? It was like, it had already later. been on. I was the yeah, last yeah. two
2: years of that show. Okay. Right. And the reason I took it is because it was filming in Utah and we had a little minor shack in, in park city that we would go up to all the time from the time Wolfie was a baby and my brother lived up there. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I already have a place up there, so it'll be easy. I love the snow. It's even more beautiful during the summer, so I have a place to stay. So, yeah, I'll do it. And um, I would go up there and shoot. And at that time, it was before 9-11. So from Burbank to SLC was a really easy back-and-forth trip.
3: Oh, yeah. So I'd come
2: back back and forth. I was at that airport and Burbank uh, at least four or five times a week. Sometimes Best airport I would fly in, in at dinner time and, yeah. and tuck Woofie in, and then the next morning, take him to school and go right back to the airport and be back in um, Park City.
1: When I can fly out of Burbank, I am just want to swoon how happy yeah, I am. Yeah, I love Burbank
2: it, Airport. You know? love. And
1: I, I I live in Burbank too, so I'm about literally like it's like going to Target, you know, like, yeah. but yeah. I'm going to the six airport. Miles you know? from
2: Burbank. I freaking yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Um, So, and and you were were you a series regular regular right off the bat or was it like a recurring thing?
2: It um I was a regular. Yeah. off the bat for just the That's last great. two seasons. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. lovely and I loved working with everybody. Roma was just terrific. She welcomed me with open arms. Della was a little bit of a harder sell. She <laughs> thought I was coming to take uh, Roma's job. I'm like, "Why would I want Roma's job?" Right, I just, right. I I never want to be the star of anything. Okay, right, just right. I want you to know that right now. I'm here to support. I like supporting people.
1: And um, how is it in your power to take the, to become number one on the call sheet? You know, right. like, and
2: what I didn't, well, what I didn't realize at this time is that there was no negotiations going on from what I understand later. And I think what was happening is CBS might have been threatening Roma with me. Uh, and I, I didn't see. realize this. You it's didn't like, know oh, that. How dare you guys? Yeah. I don't want yeah. Roma's job. Roma is the best at what she right, does right. on this show. Nobody can take Roma's
1: yeah. job. Yeah. And also, they're poisoning water that you're thinking you're gonna go have a nice swim in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So no wonder yeah, Della
2: was a little pissed off at me. I right, don't blame right.
1: her. You know, yeah. but I
2: did make it clear. I said, Della, I don't I don't want that. No, I'm just here. She's said, like, oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah. And then she softened up to me and you know, we, we had a great time. She was she was a funny, funny woman. I really loved
1: her too. Yeah. Did Wolfie go to school in Utah then or did he come to set Almost. And, had the yeah. show
2: lasted another year, I would have brought him up there. I was oh, wow. the schools. I was looking yeah. at
1: schools. Yeah, for sure. You could have got a good Mormon education for finally, you know. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so that ends, and you come back home, and I mean, at, at, at like during this, like, well, then nine
2: eleven you- happens, and I can't oh, okay. get home for four days. Oh wow! Um, uh, oof, it was. I remember we actually had to work that day, um, and Roma, who has been through hell and back in Ireland. She wanted to work. She said, "There's no reason not to work today." I like to work through this kind of thing, and she wanted to be with everybody. Um, So we were watching the televisions that day. I remember we were working at a hospital um, set, and we kept turning on the live TVs, and we were just like
1: shocked by what uh, was happening. uh, The feeling. And then when they shut down the
2: airports, I couldn't get home. Yeah, I was freaking out. I got home from work that day, and I just, I just. Sobbed yeah. until I fell asleep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you, you, you couldn't get a car, you, or you, you didn't want to drive? Oh, well, I
2: didn't because then I had to work the next day,
1: ah. and
2: not until I didn't have to work that I then I then got a car and drove home. But by that time, you know, the stress of the beginning few days were over. But I did get home. Yeah. Um. And then when the show was over, um. Ed and I just came to an agreement because he he was peaking in his pain Mm -hmm. and the way he was dealing with his pain. And that's when um, I just, I felt like I had to get Wolfie out of that house and um, we had to separate, which was really painful.
1: I bet. And Ed
2: was mad at me for quite a few years, unfortunately, but we were able to come back.
1: Within that space, is he accepting any responsibility? Is he like knowing that like,
2: well, not in the midst of it.
1: Yeah, I that's mean, he,
2: what I. Yeah, he, Yeah. I mean, he was really deep, and In I denial. had never seen his addiction that bad. Yeah, he had gone up and down, but his addiction got really, really bad around this time. Yeah, and that I just I, I did not know what to do anymore
3: mm-hmm.
2: because there was nothing I could do. Yeah, there was no more Al Anon classes I could take. There was no more interventions I could go to. There was no. I just I was. I had nothing. Because you can't until someone I I do wish that I was able to recognize because now I recognize the pain. I wish I could just take away the addiction and really, really see the pain that he was in. But I I had been through over 20 years of just watching himself the, at back and forth with the addiction. And I just couldn't see straight any longer
1: Yeah.
3: and
2: see the real pain on um, why he had his addiction and why that was the only tool in his toolbox that he could use when he was in the depths of his pain. I feel like I'd be able to do it better now, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm saying that now, but um, I'm not being tested, so I
1: don't know. Right. Was he ever in any kind of therapy or anything or was All he just self We went to therapy oh.
2: together. We yeah. went to therapy together. Even after we divorced, we were in therapy together for when Wolfie was in a, a crisis. The three of us were going together. Yeah. Um, and this was after um, he stopped being angry at me for after a couple of years. And then we slowly made our way back to each other and we yeah. became really good friends again. Thank God.
1: Yeah. yeah. W- did you ever like... Did you go through cycles of blaming yourself? All like the if, time. Yeah. If I didn't was, go away to yes. work, I could. Yeah. If
2: I was nicer, he he wouldn't drink. If I was better, if I didn't nag him so much, if I didn't do this, he wouldn't drink. If I would just stop, he would Yes. All
1: the time. Yeah. And what puts an end to that cycle of you? You, you know, is it just. I don't have to control. Yeah.
2: I can't even control my own addiction with food. How am I going to control his addiction with alcohol and drugs? Right. Right. Because that's my addiction. Yeah. That's how I deal with my pain. But I wasn't even recognizing that about myself
1: as yeah. well. Yeah.
2: And it's, I would you go away and it wasn't helping me. I didn't like my sponsor. So that wasn't helpful. Yeah, You know, yeah. I would going, I was going to therapy to try to help that, you know, so.
1: It's it's. It's it's a difficult thing, I think, you know, you to try and. Well, I think part of so much of, of mental health growth. I, I kind of like use in a colloquial sense as like being a grown up. Like there's mm. so much of it aging. that is like- Aging yeah, helps. Aging helps. You calm down. Your priorities become very clear. And there's yes. a lot of things that you thought were really important that are absolute horseshit that you can just yep. jettison. Yep. But it's, there is a point like, and it's a hard transition to when you realize, and it's an important one, I can only do me. I can only control me. I can't. And so everybody in your life that you've got a drama with or that you've got conflict with, you it's almost like you surrender their agency to them. Mm-hmm. And then you're just left kind of with yourself, which can be really lonely mm-hmm. and, you know, can make you do things like, I can't do this anymore. I got to go, you know, Um so it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, it's a good step to realize that you can't do anything, but it's like also kind of like, well, we really a, are powerless. It's we a really lonely step We are powerless over too.
2: anyone else and, yeah. and their motivations. And, um, and until we realize that, uh, I mean, sometimes I barely have enough bandwidth to deal with my own emotions. So I yeah. can't, and I need, I know that I need to keep myself full enough so that I can be there for my son. Still, even though he's going to be 31, because I want to be here for him, even though he doesn't feel like he needs me any longer. But there's there are very few times still that I will get those phone calls and I know that he needs me and I'm here for him. Yeah. Yeah. Even as an adult. And that's fine. And I I love it. I appreciate it. It's better than fine. It's good.
1: It's good. It's good. Every the fact that you can I mean, you know, there's a healthy version of it and the very unhealthy version of it. But if you can be mommy mm-hmm. to somebody for their whole life, that's mm-hmm. when they need a mommy, right. you know. Like it's sometimes when
2: he does, but when he does, I'm here for him.
1: Yeah. You sometimes know? you need a mother. Sometimes you need a wise counsel. Other mm-hmm. times you just need a mommy. You just right. need like somebody yeah. to soft to snuggle up yeah. to, you know, you and get soft comfort from. To lie on. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: I mean he has his girlfriend and he has all that. But there's there there he has his uncle who he really relies on. Um, but we they all we all have different roles in everybody's lives. Yeah. You know, and I have a specific role. I I can't be Ed for him. I mean he does have that empty space, but I can try and fill part of that because I am his parent, as Ed was. Yeah. I'm not as musically brilliant as his dad <laughs> so i can't help there but he's got other people that he can rely on there you know yeah. I mean, he's also got himself because he's brilliant
1: but yeah was did you worry about how wolfie was going through this you know this sort of the your marriage ending oh, and God, yeah, yes. yeah oh and was it rough just for you're him damned if
2: you do and you're damned if you don't you know yeah. i needed to get him away from all those drugs and and the alcohol and i didn't want him to see his dad in such a Horrible place, but yet breaking up a marriage where he that was he didn't see all the horribleness because we did try to keep it away from him. So that when we did go to talk to him and say, You know, mom and dad are gonna separate for a little bit, he was devastated yeah. and really mad at us. So that was and hard. take
1: and and was surprised. Was he like, like, Shocked. Had, yeah, like yeah,
2: he didn't see it coming because yeah. whenever Ed and I had problems, we kept it from Wolfie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in in my particular situation, like we didn't have, a, you know, nobody was had the problems that Ed had in our marriage, but my kids were just blindsided by it, mm-hmm. which I and in some way I felt like, well, good for us for, you know, not turning our life into a screaming match, right. which I lived through some of that. And it was definitely and my ex-wife did, too. And I think that definitely in reaction to that, I mean, there were arguments there's always arguments in' people's yeah, married yeah. life, but they really did not it's it's weird to be like we did a good job hiding things, you know like right especially and
2: then right. yeah, Wolfie even makes fun of it. he's like, yeah, you know, it still you still messed up my world, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> but and I still didn't protect him from his father's you know disease yeah because he still went on the road with him and he saw i mean the worst of ed's addiction everybody saw on stage i think yeah. it was 2007 and it was just horrifying and yeah. wolfie was there for it so i couldn't protect him even though i yeah. wanted
1: to so yeah. but he's doing well now right does he have any kids he doesn't.
2: I'm, uh-huh. I'm hoping at some point, yes, you know, and he is, he's <laughs> been with Wolfie. this lovely, lovely lady yeah, for, yeah. um, quite a few years and they are terrific together. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll see.
1: It's a big step. Yeah. And you can't, it is. you know, it's also too, like now it's a modern thing where you can't go like, Hey, are you going to have babies? Have babies. Why don't you have babies? Like we understand now that's not your business. Be no, quiet, it isn't. you know, stop I it. I try you know. to be
2: respectful. I do. I know I, I it's do.
1: hard. Yeah,
2: but I really want to be a grandma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now let's talk about something a little more fun. Uh, let's talk about Hot in Cleveland, uh, because that was like that was really you came You played right a back. priest
2: on Hot in Cleveland. I did. I did.
1: <laughs> that was fun. It was really fun. And I had and, it, you know, it was a chance to hang out with well all of the women that worked. It's like, one thing I felt about that show, and I think I even talked to you at the time. When you have four strong actresses, like when you have four number ones on the call sheet <laughs> yeah. in, in a, you know, but and you I have mean, to put
2: them in alphabetical order because they're yeah, all number ones, yeah,
1: exactly. Like there can be problems. And there have been shows that famously have had multiple female leads that have been problems. Mm-hmm. But I just got the sense that with Betty White there, no shenanigans. Nope. Because there were no shenanigans with Betty White. There was just nope. sunny professionalism yep. and just, just love abounding. She just was such an amazing person. Yep. And, and it's yes. And did she, you have that feeling that like, you know, like from the beginning, there was just like, nobody's going to fuck around. No, We're yeah. All, yeah, I yeah. mean,
2: from the get go, from the very first table read it, what you could just see that it, this, this, there was no star of this show. Although we all thought Betty was the star of the show. Yeah, of course. She killed it every single. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, But it, yeah, it was, I mean, any you take each individual person. Wendy Malik, who is amazing, a and genius, she's been in everything, a genius, an and she unbelievable is the kindest, genius, sweetest, coolest. Yep. Like you can't, I mean, you can't shake her. She's just, she's a horsewoman that lives in Topanga. I know. You know she comes in with dirty boots because yeah. she's been slopping that. the barns. Yeah. yeah. So it, she's just, she's amazing, slopping the barn, whatever,
1: cleaning the barn. And also, and also, she's like just one of those people that. Give her the lines. And then they come out of her mouth and you're like, couldn't get better. Like you couldn't find another person to do that better. Just every little nuance, everything, just pure genius. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And no ego. Absolutely no ego. Yeah. Like just show up. So you got that. You got Wendy, you got Betty. And then you had Jane leaves. Yeah. Who doesn't, has no clue how gorgeous she is. Just doesn't
3: (laughs) fucking get it. Just doesn't
2: get it. She's just this statuesque perfect shouldered, gorgeous dancer with these legs for days. And she's got that perfect accent and this perfect timing. And she just doesn't, she's just, and she can also be the goofiest thing in the world.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and
2: no ego again. So that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really fun place
1: to work. That had to have been a thrill to like start I was that heaven. again. Yeah. And I
2: knew at the time, usually I don't, I have a really hard time living in the moment mm-hmm. because I'm always trying to like, get to the next place, or what have I done wrong, or can I do this better, or what what's going on? And not, not, not just sitting and just enjoying what's happening to me at the moment. And I knew for every moment of those five years that this was never going to happen again. Yeah. You are working with some very special people, mm-hmm. and there is no ego here. Everyone wants everybody to succeed. So take this in, enjoy every second. And I did. I didn't want to rush through anything. I just enjoyed every moment
1: of those five years. And And I was was,
2: still pissed off at TV land for, for canceling us.
1: It was, it was, it was a very joyful, happy set, which, you know, you know, you do guest spots Mm -hmm. Some houses, It's like when you, you were a kid and you go over to a, you know, one of your friends houses for dinner and you're like, this family, is something's going like this. is a very <laughs> unhappy place, and mm-hmm. there's plenty of times you go work on these shows, and you're like, "Oh my god, these people are miserable and yeah. fighting, and you don't even know what's going on." But that just seemed like happy, it's chill, easy, we were all chill. just yeah, just like yep. what it, like what it should be, and what the, mm-hmm. you know it, it ideally is.
2: I've been so lucky. I really yeah. that's all I've ever really worked on. I can't then, think of any challenging ones.
1: And then you got to become. The food lady, you know, you got to become, <laughs> you know, you got and which is like, I mean, that for me, too, it's like I when it's like, what, you know, what do you like to do? I, I mean, there's days and, and, you know, now I get more people in my life, but there were days definitely like in covid where I would be bored and I'd just be like, I'm making gumbo. I don't <laughs> care. Half of it could go in the freezer. You know, yes. but I'm just, it'll take, it'll take me a few hours. It's a project. And for me, it's like building something. Like I'm yes. going to make this thing, but you get, You're you know, like creative. If you, Yeah, if you build a table, you don't get to eat it, you know, like, <laughs> but if you make a gumbo, you get to eat it. And, and if you, you know, if you live alone and your kids see you every couple of days, you, you get to eat it for quite a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, cause I love cooking too. And I, I mean, I've talked a million times to people about how to figure out how to do cooking you know, in a television thing, and I, you know, and I just don't know if I would fit it in or if it, like, you know, the timing of it when it would be a right thing to do. I did host a, a game show for the Food Network, and oh, I've done. You did? Yeah, I did. It was on for a minute, but it was, it was really strange. It was they uh, every show on their network is an hour, and they said let's make a half hour game show. So it was like then there would just be two. Where episodes, are you going to put it? they put two episodes together and then, and then it just kind of, pe- it oh, also was like, a, yeah, it was, it was fun, but it was kind of like, it was also kind of weird. And also like every one of my best jokes, they would, you know, like they couldn't oh. do and they would come to me and be like, like the. Me-
2: it's basic the- cable, dear.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. And it's food network. And they like, there was one time where Jilliel white Urkel, we were doing a game where they, there, we had, Filled chocolates that were filled with gross things, you know, like tuna and stuff like that. Oh Yeah. And then you had to guess what was in the filled chocolate. And uh so he bit into one and he said, Oh, I don't know what it is. He said, but it would be like he said, he said it would be like something that you would give to somebody to make them break up with you. And I said, You can't put herpes in a chocolate. <laughs> And they, everyone howls, but they immediately come to me and be like, "That will never be on the air." And I was like, "Damn oh it, God. come on! A herpes joke? Bad. You can't make a herpes joke." But, um, but yeah, it was fun. But I mean, that's got to be fun for you because you know you love cooking, and you know, yeah. and you, me too. I love cooking. Complicated relationship with food, you know.
2: Complicated, but yeah. I've, I've gotten to a place now that. Because it it, it all started with loving food, watching my noni cook and and watching my mom cook and learning how to cook. I mean, cooking before I started acting. And then for quite a few decades, just having this love-hate, mainly hate relationship with food. It's bad. This is bad for me. That's bad for me. I can't eat this. This will do this to me. (sighs) And then it's coming back to that's my love language
3: yeah <laughs> food yeah. is love
2: to me and food that's how I show love that's how I feel love as long as I don't use food to suppress feelings I don't want to feel yep I'm going to enjoy the food that I make that people make for me that I go to a restaurant to eat because food food is energy food fills my body so it can continue to pump blood mm-hmm. through my body it's 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 there for a reason it's not it, I mean I love food and i'm I'm not embarrassed anymore and I'm as long as, I know, as long as I try to and do my best to eat more fruits and vegetables so I know they make me feel better. Yeah. Drink less alcohol because I know I don't feel as well when I drink too much alcohol. Yeah. Drink, eat less sugar because I know I don't feel as well when I eat less sugar, When I eat more sugar, so I eat less. Yeah. But not take anything out of my diet mm-hmm. because sometimes something's going to bring me joy as long as I don't use it to suppress a feeling that I don't want to feel. Yeah. Feel that feeling. So don't use food. Enjoy food.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, to me, I don't, I don't understand people who aren't into food. I mean, it's like, it's like saying you don't like, it's like saying you don't like breathing or, you know, you're not, you're not into sex or orgasms. Like, what are you talking about? It's like one of the basic things. And especially when you talk about it, cooking with your grandma, families getting together and you think about just human history of we, we caught a big animal, and, Why you know, fire we, was invented. we killed it with, with a spear fire. and now right. everyone's going to be happy. And we're all in, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. do 10 different things with this deer mm-hmm. and we're going to eat it for months. And and just the drawing together, it's like it's I don't know, it's just like the magical. The community that and, happens
2: around yeah, food. It's food, all yeah.
1: about community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, but it also, too, is basic nourishment. And sometimes, you know, like when my daughter takes literally 20 minutes to find a restaurant on on DoorDash. And I'm like, it's one meal, honey. It's one meal. Hold on. Still scrolling no and scrolling. But be wasted.
2: <laughs> but I mean, but I yeah, agree but sometimes. Listen, I agree with your daughter. It's
1: sometimes, important. Sometimes my meal is like standing at the fridge, eating a pickle and then like a piece of salami and then, you know, a slice of cheese. Those
2: are good
3: too. Yeah, those, those are, are good.
1: Too. Yeah, no dishes. You know, it's all, yes. you just got to wash your hands.
2: For sure.
1: Um Well, we're about the end of our time here and I need to, I need to ask you what, you know, what's next for you? What do you, do you, what's, what do you see the rest of your, you know, I guess, sure, the rest of your life? Like, what do you see happening? What do you, what do you want to happen? What's your, your, what's your game plan?
2: I, um, I want to do another sitcom. I want to do a multicam and I'm hoping that this um, pilot that I'm shooting next month will work out because it's right up my alley. It's it's written by Suzanne Martin, who wrote Hot in Cleveland and yeah. she's brilliant and smart and I love her. And she she wrote it um is it called and it's Hungry? called Hungry so it's Hungry. all around food. Yeah. My character used to have a food show.
1: Uh-huh. Um
2: and is dealing with issues about weight and um my uh it was written for Demi Lovato and mm. Demi is amazing yeah. in this. Um so I'm I'm hoping that NBC picks it up and and um, there's there's something so oh, the energy about about doing a show in front of a live audience a multicam it's indescribable I don't yeah. know how that it's just the energy it's like it's the it's part of the cast the audience is part of the cast it's just yeah you know well you know you've, you've done it. I and do it's, uh, it's I like, like it. it I prefer that so much over a single cam.
1: See, I'm, I'm the opposite. I like a single cam and like, it's like you said, because I am a little bit of an introvert and especially I feel what, and I, I understand the good parts. Like, and I understand, especially like the good part of a multi-camera sitcom is it's a nice life. You're, you know.
2: Oh, hell yeah. I don't want to work 12 hours a day here. It's an easy schedule. I want to have a life.
1: Yeah. And it's an easy schedule, doing something fun. You know, like if you do it right mm-hmm. and the people aren't miserable and you're not working for a showrunner that hates be- going home, you know, <laughs> like, because there's some of those? <laughs> like, why are, yeah, why are we here yet. at 11 p.m.? Because he hates his wife. Like, that's, you know, the answer. And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit. God. Um, but I, uh, it, it's a really fun life. And it's, it, there is like a lot of happiness in it. But for me personally, I don't like the audience to be in my timing. You know what I mean? Like, I want to oh, say my line when I want to say my line and I want the right amount of time after you say your line for me to say my line. But if they're going to laugh for 12 seconds, I got to stand here holding this line, you know, and it's a minor quibble, you know, like if they if the phone rings after I get off with you and they say, come and do a multicam, I'm like, all right, you know, <laughs> let me put on some shoes. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm, I'm oh, that's it's an just, interesting it's a point. I didn't think of it
2: that way though. It's yeah, a, it's right. just, a,
1: and it's a preference. And I've always kind of liked, like, especially coming from improv where you're with a group. I, what I, I like the kind of, and especially like, I like location work. Like it feels like you're in the circus. You put See, all this and stuff I like in the studio. Yeah. I love, yeah. You go out into the world and it's like, and sometimes there's, you got like a, a bear. And sometimes you've got like explosions and, you know, and, uh, There's that kind of always changing. And I like that it's this little troop of people. And, you know, on the Conan show for all those years, I was trying to make the cameraman laugh. I've said this before. Like the audience, the audience is nice and and I'm glad they're there. But if I can make the cameraman laugh because they've heard every bit of my bullshit. And if I can crack through them and make them laugh, I feel like, okay, there we go. You know, that's why like,
2: Camera Block Day is the most fun. Yes, because when you make those guys laugh while they're yep. trying to write their notes, it's yes, like, oh, yes, this is going to be good best. Show. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's the best. All yeah. right, well, hey, Hollywood. Well,
2: that's it, Andy. Uh, you have to do my show now. You got to come do Valerie's home
1: cooking. I will. I will tomorrow. You want to? Sure. <laughs> okay. um, I will. I, I'm I definitely see. I'm will. See if
2: we can't, okay. Well, th- I didn't realize you loved to cook so
1: much. I do. I do. I. Um, uh, you know, it's it's harder now that I, I I live alone most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. a, with a big dog. I mean, she gets to eat what I eat sometimes, too. But, but um, the
2: freezer is your friend.
1: Precisely. I, I live okay. in a rented house uh, because we're there. My, my ex-wife and my daughter are still in the old house. My son has his own apartment and I'm renting a house. And uh, one of the first things I bought for this house was I went to. Best Buy or I don't know, a, whatever, Lowe's got a, a coffin freezer for the for the fri- or for the garage. garage? Yeah. Yep. Like Smart I got a fans. freezer I have full have a of second
2: freezer in the house. Yeah.
1: Always. Freezer yeah. full of just like, you know, <laughs> like like somebody once came over because there's a.
2: You never there, know who's going to stop by.
1: Well, and there's there's a there's a sausage place in called Continental Sausage in Glendale. Check it out, people. It's a German sausage place. The best. Ooh. And I'll go there and buy people will come and look and they'll be like, why do you have like literally 18 pounds of sausage in here? And I, like, it's a sense of security, you know, like <laughs> I know I'll never run out of sausage. So uh, do you like
2: to make sausage and peppers?
1: Yes. Sausage oh. and peppers. My favorite is uh, Polish sausage and lentils, which is a recipe that my mom used to make when I was a kid. Ooh. It's like stewed Polish sausage and lentils with tomatoes and a million pounds of garlic. And it oh. was it was like one of my birthday meals. Like, oh, you know, yummy. when you get to pick your like birthday meal. meal, it's really, really good. And the what they make at Continental is like a really garlicky Polish, Polish sausage, too. So, oh, it's good. I mean, well, I'll make sweater. it on your show. All right. All right. Well, All right. now we come to the final question. What have you okay. learned? What have you learned? What's the what's the the Valerie Bertinelli motto?
2: I have learned that we are more alike than we are different.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and like Dr. Seuss says, um, those who matter won't mind, and those who mind don't matter.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. That's I love pretty Dr. good. Seuss. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on this you know thank you for having me I'm glad we could
2: finally work it out yeah
1: me too and yeah i'm gonna hold you to that i would i definitely oh good let's, let's right. cook let's do okay, something so cool. that'll be fun so all right and uh and hopefully you got anything to plug besides the show you got anything uh, the pilot but i mean there's no sense um, but they my get... book
2: is out but we talked about i think we talked about my book did we talk uh-huh. about? Yeah. um but did yeah we? i don't know
1: we do i did don't know
2: we... did we not talk about my book i don't think we did
1: Okay. Come on, go ahead.
2: Okay, so I have a book out right now called Enough Already, um, Learning to Love Myself as I Am to, what is it called? Yeah, Learning to Love the Way I Am Today. And I think yeah. we did, we did talk about all of those issues, which is what I talk about in my book about learning yourself, you know, loving yourself the way you are today, not caring what the scale says, Yeah. Um. you know, and and if we don't love ourselves, how are we going to love others,
1: yeah. basically, yeah.
3: you
2: know.
1: And it does. It's, it's, it does come down to kind of a simple thing. Like, well, what else are you going to do? What else are right. you going to do? Walk around hating you yourself? With? You have to live how, with yourself. <laughs> yeah. how, long is that, how long can that last? How right. sustainable is it to be like, I'm terrible. And then go, you know, like, but I'm, you know. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. terrible until they put me in the ground. Like, no, no, you can't. I, I spent
2: That's
3: way too many way to years
1: live. yeah,
2: in self-loathing for no reason. I worked really hard for a wonderful life. Why wasn't I enjoying it? So yeah. now I just want to enjoy it because... Um, I deserve it. We all deserve to be happy.
1: You hear that people? We all deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. And uh, And we have the power. And we have the power. And this interview made me happy. And thank you again. And thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, We will be back next week with, uh, well, they're the same questions, but three more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the three questions, you guys. Just a reminder, show's taking a little break, but I will be back very soon with more podcasting fun. Thanks again. You got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Your Wolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blayert, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the three questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts.
3: Can't you tell my love's a growing?
0: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places.